a Highline podcast. We live in a complicated and fascinating world that invites us to dive deep into its intricacies. Exploring the ideas and events that excite, intrigue, irritate, and confound us is how we graduate our knowledge beyond meme culture. Join us over a cocktail as we expand our understanding and share in the beauty we find along the way. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. And I'm Stephen Henning. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. New studio, new bottle of Lagavulin. Who dis? That's one of my worst jokes, but... uh, (laughs) Anyway, we are back at it. Uh, welcome. How are you settling into the new place, Mr. Henning? I am settling quite well, thank you. I'm in the new studio. I am kicked back for the first time ever. I'm recording a podcast kicked back on a nice rocking chair mm. instead of sitting at the desk. And it's delightful. It I understand. After we changed our podcast setup like two weeks ago, it yeah. like changes the mood. Yeah, it really does. For sure. Kicking back I'm very with the new Good. bottle of Lagavulin too. I just I just popped it open tonight in honor of the whiskey bench. Beautiful, loving it, absolutely loving it. Um, I'm learning that as a homeowner, like I need to get used to a much longer time horizon. I say homeowner as if I really have any experience. It's been a whole week. <laughs> you know what you're Since talking closing. about more so than we do so it's true that <laughs> but uh oh no torna knows a lot more <laughs> than what i'm talking about and he doesn't even own um because he he remodels a lot of places. fair i know the nitty-gritty yeah inconveniences of, of i'm just repair yeah. but <laughs> i'm i'm learning a new i just need to relearn a like a different time horizon because I always, I mean, up until now, I've always thought in terms of 12-month lease and then month-to-month after that. Mm-hmm. And usually the month-to-month is like, give me like three or four months and I'll probably move and find a new place. Like when you buy a place, even for tax purposes, you got to plan for at least two years. Right. And I mean, my wife and I intend to be here for at least five. That's what we talked about when we started shopping. Mm-hmm. So, so when it comes to home projects, like we moved in and like, we painted the entire living room first two days. What and, color? Uh, oh, we just went for a really bright white. Like we wanted to open up the room because the whole house, yeah. the whole place is kind of painted this. I've been calling it rental brown. Like a beigey neutral. Yeah. yeah. It's not tan. It's not brown. Mm-hmm. It's rental brown. Rental brown. <laughs> totally. Like every rental. Uh, like this, like a this townhouse we bought. 2007 rental brown. Yeah. 2007 Kind rental of cardboard brown on the box inside. brown. A little bit. Box brown. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So white but, was so a we, massive upgrade. Oh, totally. We Yes. It, it was amazing. It really uh, opened up the space. Feels very big, very airy, bright. And we have plants all over the place and we're furniture shopping this weekend. Fun. Um, so, yeah, we're just loving it. But learning the time horizon of like, I'm going to get around to fixing that, but it doesn't have to be this weekend. No. (laughs) Right. And I think I set myself up to think that I need to get all my projects done now because I went and painted the first two days I lived here instead of just like relaxing a little bit and enjoying it. So now I'm like, I got to repaint that. I got to swap out those outlets. I got to redo that. I got to start like 
floor in the basement or whatever. And it's like, no, 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 no. no, no. Yeah. You can relax. Pick your battles more. of the things that you think are essential. Yeah. Which like painting the living room. Awesome. You're going to spend a lot of time in there. It's brighter now. Yep. You can yep. kind of set up that part of your home. It's relatively then, easy to do. Exactly. Cost. Yeah. And then like the next thing, whatever it ends up being like tackling the master bathroom or whatever. Which I'm going to need your help with because yes. I basically have to tear out the whole subfloor and replace the shower and yeah. all that. Oh, baby. We That's can, a big one. That's can, a step up from painting. We could do yeah. It. Yeah, it is. I'm going to stick to painting door frames. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. T- take your time and just enjoy it. Absolutely. You know? I mean, you're saying that, but if you have yeah. pressure on yourself, you won't be able to relax and enjoy it until oh, you're done. It, and that could be some Which time. I totally did earlier this week. I was like get everything done now go go and i was like oh, i have so much time it's really okay yeah relax and the project so. is kind of fun absolutely right? absolutely it yeah. is yep and we have like a hardware store just like right down the street it's like a two minute drive which is fantastic already set up with my rewards points and everything here, here we go. go oh heck yeah <laughs> absolutely well that's beautiful and what you were just saying actually gives me a really good segue for for our conversation tonight so thank you <laughs> i gotta talk about what we're drinking see <laughs> see well i i've already i'm drinking lagavulin, lagavulin. i'm back on it i'm, He's I'm back, back with, with his... my main yep yeah my main gal my <laughs> nice. main squeeze good for you i'm glad yep we tonight i deleted lefroig's number <laughs> you were, it day. was disgraceful what you, you were doing not, you <laughs> might have deleted it from your phone but you got it written down on a notepad I, somewhere you have yeah. the memories burned into your mind yeah don't even <laughs> I'm, I'm on to you You'll come okay. crawling back like a dog Log- to its vomit. The, <laughs> the wow. log of woolen bottle like turns away from him. <laughs> uh, it's good to be back. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, Renewed my vows. As it were. <laughs> Is there a ceremony? <laughs> yep. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. So your beverage, give me... Oh, he's gearing up for it. Let's give him a there's second. No, there's nothing to gear up. We're drinking a Rosita. Rosita. Or a Rosalita. 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 <laughs> You're waiting for me. Which I'm guessing is like little, response little rose or something. <laughs> um, here at the whiskey bench. And when I say here at the whiskey bench, I mean here at the drinks that Kat and Steven like. We that's love Negronis. Yeah, absolutely. We sure do. So, it's what bonded our friendship. Yeah, that's what built our, that's how we met is over Negronis. Yeah. I, I told the story. Right. Go listen to like episode <laughs> three, I think it was. Yeah. Um, We're not telling it again. <laughs> no, but I, there's so many good variations of it that there's going to be probably 20 Negronis on this show at some point. So this is just another variation. We've already done two, so this is three. It is just a regular old Negroni, but instead of gin, you use some tequila. Tequila. So, <laughs> what's up with my call? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, Cat, Cat, you got a vibe today. I'm yeah, on you, one. You sound really, okay. really you, cheery. I'm not prepared. I'm, I'm a little buzzed. It's yeah. great. <laughs> 
Diving it's in. a perfect way to start. You cooked Mexican <laughs> last week. That's what it was. Chili verde. Yeah, it looked good. Good stuff. But it's just an ounce of vermouth, an ounce of Campari, and an ounce of tequila. Mix it up, throw a orange peel in the glass, and uh, slurp, slurp. A solid rock. Yeah, there's slurp. a big old chunk of crystal clear glass. There's ice in there. <laughs> Because the, the melting ice is an important part of the cocktail, yes, is that right? Yes, it helps dilute it. So tequila is pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Campari is very strong. And so your first few sips, it's like real thick and syrupy and, and pretty pretty strong. But then it starts to, the ice starts to melt and it mellows out and thins out. It's great. It's like the drink that keeps on going. It's totally mellowed out, too. I'm near the end mm-hmm. of mine. <laughs> it's... Oh, yeah. I might be doing it's another uh, run out and make another one. We'll see. I think we will. But, uh, yeah, that's what, that's what we're calling it. I, I think I think it's a two-nighter. Absolutely. I'm just pre-gaming because uh, shout out to Callie. We're going out with Callie tonight, so. It should be fun. Yes. Callie just graduated, right? Yeah, or she's going to be graduating, so she texted us. She specifically said, she said she dressed up or I don't know what she said exactly. Something about like getting pretty. You know, when you put it, that effort in, especially in this community, because right. which is wonderful. Nine times out of ten, you're walking around with no makeup on. Your hair is a mess. Yeah. You're in baggy jeans. You're chill. So when you put the effort in. Right. To blow dry your hair. Put on mm. some mascara. You want to get some mileage out of that. Fair enough. So she really yeah. wanted to go out and a bunch of her friends can't so she's like we're going out I'm, I have to go out if I dressed up so we're gonna we're gonna do that tonight so we're just pre-gaming it's great I like the no makeup days if I'm honest though it's nice to kick back a little I do too frankly <laughs> that's one of the biggest perks of living here and last weekend I got dolled up so I went out to dinner with my neighbor and at the beginning of the night I thought well this is nice like I haven't worn mascara in a couple <laughs> weeks and like this this feels good and yada yada and by the end of the night when you have to take it all off you're just like fuck me this is obnoxious i hate it's this it's the worst yeah it's the worst yep. i'd yeah, much rather so. just go straight to bed totally. just yeah dropped a bunch of stuff in my toilet no, i mean it was man. a mess put your sunglasses oh. on put your mask on <laughs> Put your mask on. You're good, I dropped right? my Guys, I dropped my AirPod Pro and some salsa today. Ooh. <laughs> you made me think of it with this. So I'm the sure toilet, they're water resistant. Yeah. That, right? The AirPod Pros are specifically water resistant for okay. like. Salsa's mostly they, they, water. Sal- so. Salsa resistant. <laughs> salsa resistant. <laughs> yeah. I, I took that. it apart and uh, like dabbed it off and dried it and all that. But Nice. Felt weird. Now my ear's a little spicy. But. Uh, <laughs> You're hearing things oh, are differently. my ears burning, or is that just the <laughs> yeah. salsa? <laughs> yeah, they say you should wash your hands after handling jalapeno, and should. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I don't know where that joke was going. I don't either. I don't know either. No punchline. Sure. Your ears are burning. Cat, <laughs> I love yes. that you went out with your neighbor. Oh my gosh, she's the most lovely woman. Her name is Joy. Yes, Joy. Shout out. And we have a completely. Well, not completely. We have a similar worldview in terms of where we start, and then we wind up in totally different places. But 
she's fabulous to talk to because she's uh, not dogmatic mm. and she's open minded and she's kind. And so she and I had a really, really interesting conversation, largely about wow. like education and our education system mm. and public schools and funding. And 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 yeah, anyway, she she's fantastic. So. I really enjoy it. It's nice to have a neighbor. I never had a neighbor that I was like friendly with before. Nice. Right? Yeah. I so she's intentionally, really cool. we moved into this place and I'm intentionally mm-hmm. being the really nice neighbor. Mm-hmm. Like I went out of my way to introduce myself to everyone else in the building, all the other units. Cause like Dixie and I are the only owners that live in this place. Every, every other unit is rented out. So I anticipate meeting a lot of people in the process and right, right. time Being frame there. of living here. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to meet people. I really like that. I Like, I want that from my little neighborhood here. So That's Totally. Good. It's worth I just, fostering. I like, yeah, I like that you did that. I don't know. This stuck out to me. I don't feel like people know their literal neighbors very well anymore. I know I don't. Yeah, it's a shame. And I felt like I would get more of that here. Mm-hmm. But I have joy. So yeah. there's that. And the yeah, people immediately that... next door to me are vacation rent. It's a vacation rental that my landlord oh. also owns. So yeah. that's like really high turnover. And sometimes, and it's a crapshoot. Sometimes they're lovely and mm-hmm. I get along very well with them. I had a gal who was rented the place for a month and she would bring us like soup and all sorts of stuff <laughs> that she made <laughs> and like random what? groceries. And she was just like this sweet, awesome. like motherly type. And then. And then there's other people who like park their fucking Mercedes hipster van diagonally in your driveway and take up two parking spaces, you know, and yeah. refer to the driveway as a parking lot. And I was like, it's not a parking lot. Get move your car. This <laughs> 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 is obnoxious. But anyway, so, you know, some neighbors yeah. are better than others. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, very true. But anyway. if you, if you intentionally front, like, kindness and warmth even the bad neighbors i don't know my my attitude with my neighbors is like (laughs) if i make sure my first few impressions are really nice like if you are a terrible neighbor i hope at least like my like would could you just behave around me please because you know i'm a good person (laughs) you get in good yeah totally yeah that or that or they're so miserable that your kindness just rubs them the wrong way even worse well then there's nothing you can do right oof oof yeah but here on the whiskey bench we're not miserable we're not miserable (laughs) not at all drunk and happy Drunk and happy, and we have joy. Metaphorically, I'm not drunk either. I'm sober and happy. (laughs) We metaphorically have joy, and some of us have literal neighbors named Joy, and that's great. That's awesome. (laughs) There it is. I'm into it. Mm -hmm. Wow. So we lost your segue there, Torna. But where did you (laughs) want to take us tonight? Um. Well. All right. So we just spent the last three episodes discussing enlightenment thinking, specifically nature of man, and Hobbes, Locke, and Rousseau, many of their ideas being really fundamental to kind of that enlightenment movement of rationality and individualism, um, individual rights, things like that. Uh, With that came a shift of, of thinking. Rousseau was a little bit more in tune with understanding emotion, whereas other enlightenment thinkers kind of shifted away from that and 
instead of that like understanding emotion you know kind of deep down in your core or f that gut feeling it was all rationality so i thought it would be fun to at least start a conversation or kind of try to think about pre-enlightenment ideas and pre-enlightenment thinking mm. and good that we might see in that and then what i think we all can probably agree on some blatant or uh, obvious faults with pre-enlightenment thinking and just the segue that i was kind of wanted to work off is just you talking about having to switch your perspective of time frame and hmm. i think part of the pre-enlightened thinking was shifting or not even shifting it it hadn't shifted yet they had a much honestly i think they had a much bigger time frame mentality in that when they built something like think about the cathedrals they would they would build these cathedrals and they knew that this would be standing for thousands of years like that was their goal that mm. this this idea would persist and this building would be here for thousands of years and the pride in your family legacy it was like to have a family and to keep that going and be proud of like the heritage that was before you and the heritage that is ahead of you so that there is this much bigger time frame thinking and something shifted i think after the enlightenment with individualism and kind of starting to neglect the legacy side of your heritage starting to shift away from religion as it was known before so you guys want to dive into this i don't really know how i'm going to lead this or where it's going to to go but i've got i've got a couple thoughts and i've got a fun little test for you two to take Ooh. at the end oh, what what yeah it is a test by a John Hears, I sent you that podcast, Why Are We Talking About Rabbits? Oh, I listened to it. Yes, thank you for reminding me. Yes. That was a... Why didn't you send me that? I'll send it. <laughs> what, which one did I send you? What is capitalism? Yeah, yeah, that was the one. Anyway, he's like really into old world thinking and pre-enlightenment. Um, he's an Orthodox Christian. So it's really got me thinking, but he created a little test that he calls the Lightometer. It's basically... <laughs> His way of determining how enlightened you are. Okay. Interesting. So I Interesting took it. concept. Ooh, how enlightened are you? Well, well, Should you tell us now? No, no don't no, tell no, us no. now. No. Yeah. Okay. Not as enlightened as you thought. As I thought. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Shows your sympathies. So I don't, like I said, I don't really know how to start this, but. This is something I've been wrestling with. I mentioned that last episode. It's just trying to connect and understand a little bit with that, that thinking that has been around for a long time. A lot longer than what was, what, the 1600s, the Enlightenment? Mm -hmm. Late 1700s. But it's foundations. 16... Late, the foundations are like 5th century BC. Greek. Enlightenment. But like science... Enlightenment, art, music, mid 1600s. Am I completely off base I mean, here? Maybe. Are you talking like Renaissance? Late 18th How the Renaissance century is what I like understand. Renaissance. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kind of bringing us that, out of the Middle Ages. It was the explosion of all that reinvigorated. So, which then led into what's yes. designated as the Enlightenment. Okay. Right. Yep. That right. makes sense. So here's just a little, some notes I took listening to 
to John Pierce um, and kind of his synopsis of what pre-enlightenment thinking is, which is what he calls old world thinking. And so he starts by describing that, like, really people only identified with three things pre-enlightenment. And that was their identity was found in their language, their lineage, and their deity. That was pretty much the roots of everything. The way that he then describes it, and then he uses often, which I've, I think I will adopt. I, I like the, the use it has in conversations. He then discusses um, the word religion and the word ligament. Ligament being something that holds something together. And, and religion, they both have a Latin root, lig, which mm-hmm. is like to hold something together. So throughout this, his podcast and, and his writing, he discusses identity and what holds society together or ideas that hold peoples together as ligs. That's what he likes to call them, which I love. So you can talk about different ligs of, you know, we're all podcasters. So we've got our lig mm. of what gets us going. Some kind of and common what, culture. And what, yeah, some common culture. And then it shifts. Like you've got the common culture of your workplace and I've got common culture of my workplace and Henning, the same for you. And so there's all these legs that are kind of holding people together and it's shifted over the enlightenment versus pre-enlightenment. And I suppose that kind of then opens up a conversation about tribalism, which I know now you see a lot of people talking about tribalism as like a bad thing, right? Like that's political tribalism and you see, you know, the really horrible partisanship and things like that. Like it's, it's tribalism at its worst, I guess. Then you also have maybe more acceptable tribalism, like supporting a sports team. So you've got a tribalism of, of sports and I guess you could even have tribalism of schools. You know, you go to a different school and, Part of that has to do with sports, but that's just like, I think a pretty good little basis of, of thinking about that. And I'm starting to see more value in pre-enlightenment thinking, mostly with tradition and emotion and valuing things like lineage and family and those sort of things. But do you guys have any, any thoughts on that? Any feelings about that? My initial thought while Uh you were describing that is that sort of the values of the enlightenment are a common theme in our culture, Mm -hmm. but we've never escaped the pre-enlightenment tendencies. Okay. Do you think we will ever? That's a great question. Because I, I like the, the acceleration. It's human nature. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the acceleration of technology and industry and individualism. Like, you know, with with the Enlightenment also came industrialism. And 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 I think that's probably where we see the deterioration of like, yes, I'm going to build a church. I'm going to build a cathedral for people a thousand years from now. Whereas now we're like, we're making modular homes <laughs> that we can put up in 48 hours. Right. Right. And we just know that they're going to be replaced eventually or moved or yeah. And even so, being in the, well, the things the, we value have changed, right? Like maybe we value like sustainability and efficiency over 
creating a legacy. Maybe, but what's more sustainable than like a church built of stone that sits there for 5,000 years? Depends on how you define it. <laughs> it depends on how you define sustainability. If you view True. human beings as a plague on the earth, then no, it's not. It's right. a big eyesore. Right. right. But yeah. Hmm. Interesting. What, it, what I'm wondering though is like, I, I, it feels like a, a lot of what we're experiencing in culture now is like, Certain groups are asking us to basically, I don't know, evolve much faster than human beings have ever evolved in the past, mm-hmm. you know, and it, I'm not sure we outgrow some of the pre-enlightenment ideas. I think those are so deeply in us and part of uh, maybe that like ancestral memory concept, you know, where, mm-hmm. you know, like th- this is how we evolved to handle groups of 120 to 150 people and in that sense tribalism is kind of a neutral term like it's a good thing Mm -hmm. to have a tribe and to have people to support you to help feed you to protect you to like find common joy in community and in that sense like the lig using that term like the that community or that tribe is a good thing but as we explode through first like industrialism and now like digitalism i don't know it feels like we're just trying to grow up too fast you know like Mm -hmm. as a as a society or as a species on a planet that has constantly been evolving and changing like we're asking ourselves to upgrade way too fast you know like we're trying to install a software that the hardware can't handle yet right and i agree Mm. with that we're seeing that with I mean, information and social media. And I think it might have been you that retweeted someone a couple of weeks ago. But like, the point I think stands really true. It's like people aren't built or not evolved enough, however you want to phrase it, to like be able to comprehend like being fed the horrible news everywhere in the world, right? Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. The information Dude. overload of it all. Yeah. Well, right. yeah. Okay. Okay. So I was, I was talking with my friend Alex on Voxer this week. And Falcon Alex, Grove. Falcon <laughs> Grove. Yes. Of the Into podcast coming soon to Love a Highline network. Coming soon to a Highline network near you. The Into nice. podcast. Go find it now. They have season one out. It's awesome. Anyway. So I was talking to Alex and Alex, before you get nervous, I'm not going to steal your quote. He has a whole episode of N2 <laughs> coming out and it's all based around this one quote and I will not use it. I'm just, oh. <laughs> just using the premise that kicked off our conversation this week. Oh. Like I'm so we as humans, we grew up in these tribes or in these villages. Village is a good term for it. And industrialism, digitalism, all these things like exploded out as we also like, like we had an age where things were really small, things were really tight. And we basically, for all we care, like we, we don't really care what happens outside of, you know, if you live in Billings outside of Yellowstone Valley, cause this is your immediate environment. Like you care about mm-hmm. creating a flourishing life here. And in, in the case of, you know, the 1400s, 1500s, 1600s, it's like, there's a new continent that we've never found before as Europeans. <laughs> right. What the heck? So now all of a sudden the world feels like this infinite frontier. Like, let's go find the stuff. And then Alaska is famously like the final frontier. And then space becomes the final frontier. And now even that, it's like, 
yeah, we're going to go to Mars soon. That's cool. Whatever. (laughs) So like Mm -hmm. the boundaries exploded out in a physical sense and human beings, we found a way to like multiply and quickly like do that kind of spreading action as well. But we brought all that, like the village mentality and the tribalism and all that. And with, with the digital revolution, now I can be connected with my aunt who lives in Paris. You know, we can FaceTime if we want to, or like even tomorrow morning, I'm interviewing a friend from Bristol, England, um, for no normal people. Like we can do this with people from around the globe. But what that does is like, because tribes and villages have kind of moved into a digital space and we can be spread out physically. Now it feels like the whole world is just kind of like this tight confined village. And now we feel a weird responsibility to care about what is happening in New Zealand or the Ukraine or Uganda, you know, but our brains are just not, there i think that's like that's what's so confusing to me even about like the climate change conversation it's like i'm a person i'm a i'm a single person i Mm -hmm. it's it's so hard for an individual to put the weight of like the climate in 100 or 200 years on their shoulders and put all that kind of anxiety and stress on themselves where it's like we used to literally just worry about whether our tomatoes were going to come in so we could survive the winter And I think there's also an interesting trend or theme um, or pattern where we tend towards, we revisit nationalism, Mm -hmm. right? If in in different forms under different names, but kind of sort of that idea of tribalism. And maybe that implies that it is this instinct and it maybe that gets at what you're describing, Henning, where we kind of live in this world with, you know, sort of infinite abilities to connect and know and expand beyond our tribe, quote unquote. But we instinctively want to revert back to that tribe. Mm -hmm. Because maybe in some sense that's comforting. In some ways, but in other ways, like, you know, Alex Falcongrove is part of my tribe, but he and I have have not been in the same room for 24 years. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah. So then, so maybe technology has enabled us to kind of redefine like the metrics of, of the tribe, like what defines the tribe. But, yeah. But we're still probably but dealing we still with instinctively this, look for a tribe. Yeah. And we're still dealing with this Dunbar's sense. number of like 120 to 150 people is pretty much all our psyches can handle of having like a deep intimate relationship where we know details and we can like ask how we can support other people and, like not really even can. deep and intimate. It's like just even recognizing names and faces. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no. and then, and not to like totally derail or take us in a different direction, but like what this conversation is making me think about is like if we have kind of reached peak evolution for our species, which I'm sure, you know, many people have thought ignorantly throughout human history but if we've reached kind of like if we've hit a ceiling of like how much more knowledge and kind of like mental computing we can handle 
people are already working on AI and incorporating that as not like Terminator, but as sort of this thing that like an extra appendage that will help us just do human better. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that's kind of what an iPhone is, is, though. Like it's not embedded. Oh, it totally is. The iPhone is my extension into literally the entire world. (laughs) It completely is. Yeah. But we're but but I guess we're moving. So there's there's steps beyond that. Right. And they involve technology. So like maybe from like. Like what's the term like anatomically, we can't quite go any farther, but we've Mm -hmm. figured out how to exploit technology to go farther. And then. Where is that going to lead yeah, it's an interesting question. Like Elon's Neuralink or something. I was just you know. gonna say I've been like <laughs> diving too much into Elon Musk and his warnings about AI and where it could lead to us becoming completely obsolete. Anyway. And yet he develops Scary Neuralink stuff. anyway. I don't Neuralink. understand. Neuralink? You mean I... Starlink? Or is Neuralink something different? No, he's he's got all sorts of links going on. Lots of links. Neuralink is like satellites and and Neuralink is... What's Neuralink? It's literally like a brain implant. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm talking about, though. (laughs) And, but... Man! But I think that's... (laughs) I I still... I think that's the desire for us to... Like, we're really realizing how small we are as a a people, as like capital M mankind on this planet. Mm -hmm. Like... Mm-hmm. Our universe is still expanding. Like that's freaky as fuck, dude. And like and we realize we're so insignificant and like the further we get out and the further we learn about that like there's there's this tendency for us to want to I don't know, keep pace with our discoveries. And that and that's causing us to I I I literally it feels like where we are a 14 year old being asked to grow up way too fast and pretend like he's an adult when he's 14. We're going to take a quick break. Then we'll be back to our conversation. If you like what you're hearing, the best way to tell us about it would be on Apple podcasts. There you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review to help others find the show. Thank you to Reagan James for the use of our theme music, the habit off her album message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. And thanks to Highline Media Network for having us as a founding podcast. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, Ravel. If you're starting to go down this track where it's this process of no longer identifying as belonging to this particular faith or a particular element of faith, that's deconversion. And deconstruction is something completely different than that. So just keep that in mind. Okay, hear me out, though. I hear what you're saying. See, she's doing it again. She's doing it with the words and stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, this is a great (laughs) example, though. Okay, I have two thoughts. Thought number one, I actually do think deconstruction happens a lot in theology. Like, people are using the same word, but invoking different meanings. And now, back to our conversation. So really, my goal is to kind of open a can of worms tonight. As and I need help just already. like oh, well, open. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm just trying to make sense of what I'm wrestling with, trying to understand 
the world as it is right now, right? Sure. And this is something that I know Kat wants to lead into. Do you want to go ahead and talk about your theory that you had mentioned earlier about enlightenment and we're reverting back to? Yeah, you just fucking stole the punchline. Yeah. But okay. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. We have the edit in my, button. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I also would like another mm-hmm. Negro. If I may ask for one. Yes. You can tell me to fuck off. But please don't. Um, <laughs> I've never told anyone that. So. <laughs> okay, great, 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 great. Um, uh, yeah, I was talking with Torna earlier and expressing that I feel like in my reading about enlightenment thinking and pre-enlightenment thinking that our modern Western culture is sort of reverting back um, to pre-enlightenment thinking. Um, and my sort of evidence of this is that we're, we're sort of plagued by a fanatical dogma that to stray from subjects you to canceling, right? Which is essentially mm. a ritualized public rejection of your thoughts and a stripping of your ability to express yes. them. Did you see my tweet literally today about this? No. Mm-mm. I said, really? my tweet was, wavelength. we never stopped burning our heretics at the stake. We just rebranded Fuck. and called it cancel culture. Amen, okay. man. Totally. Mm-hmm. And it's really scary that we're, and again, maybe this is just human instinct deeply ingrained and it will take centuries to shed it or maybe we never will and the robots will kill us. But, um, <laughs> but I feel like, and and thinking this through with you and your roommates before we went on air was helpful because um, sort of my initial thought was like the religion of woke, quote unquote, has supplanted like Christianity in our modern popular Western culture. Mm. And um, and maybe maybe that's too curt of a statement. Maybe. Um, I mean, I, I'm a Christian, so I obviously think there's like a deeper foundation and more meaning and purpose behind christianity than wokeism if you can call it that um but in terms of kind of like its superficial impact on our culture i think wokeness has taken the place of of christianity and i think ironically the religion of woke has adopted many of the perceived ills of Christianity. Because when you read about like pre-enlightenment thinking, mm-hmm. it's kind of characterized as this like primitive, dumb, superstitious, you know, kind of. But that's from the perspective of the well, exa- enlightened Well, that's what people. I'm saying. Yes, yeah. exactly. So that's when you read the critique of it from the enlightened folk, <clears throat> that's mm-hmm. the critique, right? And like, and they brought this brilliant idea of individualism and reason and rationality and it liberated people and i think Mm -hmm. largely it did ironically today i think we've reverted back to this thinking that this this dogmatic culture that like demands narrow thinking it demands really strict adherence and it has a total intolerance of challenging any of the accepted teachings And I just find this great irony in that because the postmodern folks would not distinguish themselves Mm -hmm. from the enlightened revolution. Mm. But some argue that 
the age of enlightenment and now i'm quoting penny nance she said you know the age of enlightenment and reason gave way to moral relativism and i and i think like is this just some sort of like vicious cycle where eventually we kind of slip back into this tribal mentality and we like and dogmatic thinking and demanding strict adherence and eventually people will break free and be individuals again and then there's going to be a rebellion against that it seems to be a pattern so um, and unfortunately de- i think so we're you're in describing the, the plot right you're describing the plot of atlas shrugged <laughs> is what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> fuck i'm a libertarian <laughs> i don't know Okay. Yes. Uh, Torna, what did you say? What did you say were the primary pre-enlightenment legs? It was deity. It was, uh, it was language, lineage, language, deity. See, and we've translated language. We have Google translate. Yes. Thank you. Yep. We can speak to anyone we want to lineage. Um, we don't value lineage as much as we used to. Like I, I don't know the names of any of my great grandparents and there were eight of them. (laughs) right you know right like i but don't not even that much like go be- just into into names like my name originally was torna quindici right which meant like return to 14 or turn 14 and i believe it has to do with like basically it's such an old name that it was directions to where their farm was well it was like oh, wow. you would turn on the 14th lane whoa and that's where like the torna quindici you know, family was right. Or you have like butlers and they were predominantly like the people that managed wine or you had Smith's and like, you were a Smith, you were a butler. I was a Tornaquindici. That's like, that's who you were and you knew who you were. I do. And then identified like your trade and yeah, you spent your life. And there was, but, and it wasn't a bad thing. There was great pride in it (laughs) and you could, and you knew it. And, and as enlightenment came and individualism came, it really, almost produced like an anti-cultural thinking and do you think it was anti or they were just trying to transcend maybe trying to transcend but the result was like actually isolating yourself Hmm. and leading to nihilism well and that destructive path i do Hmm. fundamentally believe that uh perceived separation and isolation is what leads you to that path and that Yes. Community. Yeah. Like what you're like finding community in your tribe or in your lineage mm-hmm. or, or anything. Um, I just, I'm imagining changing my name to like Steven podcaster to get my last name back <laughs> to like what I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. But anyway, think about like, would that be a bad thing? Like to, to find something, to find some, but it doesn't, thing it doesn't necessarily build that legacy. No, but it doesn't necessarily need to be. Doesn't have to be your in name, your name anymore. You, you know, like I have my name and I have my Twitter bio, and I can say podcaster in my Twitter bio, and that's fine. Sure. Um, but I so there is something to like blood lineage or like a heritage of being mm-hmm. part of a trade or like, um, or even just knowing like where you came from. I know I'm a lot German, and. I do think there's kind of a reawakening people like being fascinated with the like 23 and me doing DNA mm-hmm. swabs and like finding things out about themselves and like the huge uh, popularity of something like ancestry.com is like people, 
is not just a hobby to dig into generations of your family tree. It's like mm-hmm. you feel like you're learning about yourself while you're learning about the people that came before you. And ultimately, I think that that does sometimes boil down to um, an expression of existential dread where it's like, oh, my gosh, two generations like my great grandkids will never know my name because. Well, because like I don't know my great grandparents either. And like that translates into this existential dread of like what, how will I be remembered? Do I need to be remembered? Mm -hmm. I also think though that lineage has kind of transformed into almost like a, an intellectual or a a philosophical way of tracing lineage, you know, like even covering Hobbes, Locke and Rousseau, it was interesting to hear like, yeah, I, I align with Locke pretty well. And like, People can mm-hmm. be described as Lockean philosophers because they like their bedrock or like a, a, another weird word for it would be like a sacred text is like the writings of John Locke. Like I look up to this guy as someone who really seemed to be thinking about things in a, in an appropriate way. And Kat, I, I think you're absolutely on the right track with, you know, the religion like the old guard is out, the spiritual Christianity is out. And now, you know, like there are consequences to this like new atheism thing because I, I think it's just part of us that deity and however you define deity, whether it's like an actual conscious being or just there's something it's like, we seek it out. Right? I think it's innate. Well, I know it's innate. And so I think that there is no way to get away from it. Like, and, you know, I know people that are, like, you know, hardcore atheists is what I would call them. Because there's plenty of Christian affirming atheists or Christians that, or atheists that are like, yeah, Christianity is, like, core to Western society or or even potentially, like, humankind, like, those values. But there are the ones that are like, no, absolutely not. And, like, we don't believe anything. And, like, they're very, like, sure of that. and and Everyone has a religion, like, in some form or another. Right. It's I I do think it is Mm -hmm. human nature for Mm -hmm. us to try to coalesce around some kind of guiding principle that establishes rules, whether you define them as rules or not, but it gives you some kind of purpose and some kind of direction. And again, it gives you that um, that community to be a part of. Yeah. Mm hmm. I, I think that that is a part of human nature. Yeah, I think so. Well, always and seek so a then force. That leads me- it's like seeking a gravitational force. You know, like, Torna, as you yeah. appropriately pointed out, like, the root word of religion is ligament. Mm-hmm. But, like, to re-ligament is to re- realize you're separate from something and seek reuniting with people under the same banner. Like, it's it's yes. it's all based on that same, like, Actually, I kind of like thinking about it in gravitational pull terms. Like, it's just natural. So you said you want to, you, you like um, describing it or, or trying to talk about it in terms of gravitational pull. Do you want to elaborate on that? Well, I, I don't know if I can elaborate. It's just kind of a new thought happening to me. But okay. a, a, a thing traveling. It's a natural force. It's a, yeah, it. it's a natural force. Like uh, this, this bend in space time will attract others to it whether they have it's almost like whether they have a choice in it or not Mm. uh, which has some interesting philosophical uh, implications on things like free will 
I mean, yeah, we see we see people coalesce around a new dogma, and if it's not going to be around something formed on like a spiritual basis or like a moral basis, then what does it become? Like, of course, it becomes this thing you're pointing out, Cat, where we have a new religion well, about being woke or it's like mo- it is moral. It's it is moralistic. If that's a term. Yeah, it is. But it, it doesn't right. to me, it doesn't seem like there's any solid foundation for it. Like it's constantly. Oh, no, I don't think so either. But like there's no the there's no text. To it. it's, there's no text. Right. There's no pope. There's no. <laughs> Completely. But there is. But there is a, a, a sense of moral superiority if you adhere to it. Right. It gives you the sense oh. that you can go up to a, a another individual who has free will, who's minding their own business, and scream at them to raise their fists to agree with you. Right. Now, okay, so that's the, crazy, that's the crazy version, right? There's, there's the Christianity that burns people at the stake for thinking the exactly. sun is the yeah. center of the solar system. Right. You know, like, right. There, there's the Christianity that does that, but there's also, like, the Christianity, like, the, the base note under humanity that's actually seeing flourishing happening in the world and what i want to be careful of is making sure we don't say like something coming out of the new atheism like i hate the term like, like, i hate there's the no term value. woke but like i i want to be careful of not saying literally anyone who happens to like intellectually agree with something that the wokists say like there there's a way to do it and still and not be like burning people at the stake. There's a way to be quiet about it and just be like, no, these are my values. I'm going to live according to my values and I will be patient with well, it. Should, absolutely. Right? There's some, there's some form of measure where, you know, there's some, there's some kind of underlying principle that has value that is totally reasonable. Um, right. And that's rational in my opinion. Right. Where it's like, but then our human instinct kicks in mm-hmm. maybe. And drives it to this extreme tribal aggressive dogmatic thing. Right. Um, and maybe that's inevitable and maybe we're just not good at being individuals. Well Right? Yeah, I mean I being mean, individuals about, like, is pretty new right. for us as a species anyway. But even but even in the last like century, those people have sought that and and it just seems like we ultimately wind up like it turns into it just it ultimately winds up in groupthink. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe it's far and few between that you can find a true individual that's like brave enough to to say the things that nobody wants to hear. Yeah. But the one individual, the one prophet saying all the right things that other people don't want to hear, like. They become such a powerful gravitational force that now all of a sudden. There's a tribe built around that guy that's true. versus yeah, the yeah, other absolutely. guy. That's fair. And that's, and that's why I think, like, I mean, like, it, it's a good critique of hyper-individualism to say, like, being, being on an island, being isolated, uh, like, I point this out all the time, but th- there's a reason solitary confinement is a form of torture. It's right. because we can't handle it. Like, we need to be in community. And I think we're just built that way. And we've evolved that way. We've evolved to take care of the tribe whether it was like protecting the the other 10 in the tribe from the saber-toothed tiger at the cave front or whatever like we're here to cooperate we're here to work together 
And there's a balance, mm-hmm. certainly, of being like, I am an individual who contributes these specific talents, skills, and abilities to the group. But ultimately, I think it's important that we still recognize that we, I, I do, I, it's part of our nature just to coalesce around a bigger gravitational force. Mm-hmm. And become a group so together. I want to real quick just lay out kind of where my thinking is right now and what I'm trying to work through. We barely let with, you talk with this today, argument. Dude. <laughs> no, no, no. This is this is great. No, no, this is really good because I, I would like to discuss this more, and I really hope people listening can give us some feedback. And if there's something that you're super interested in, like ping us. Oh, absolutely. I, I think there's value in this, but I want to go through kind of where this whole line of thinking has stemmed from. And then I would love to do the Lidometer test. Oh, I'm into it. And wrap things up. But here's what's really diving or what has really gotten me interested in this. Predominantly, it's me trying to make sense of our current cultural moment around what is race and racism. And it's not just in America anymore, it's race and racism in the world, right? We've seen the kind of, we've seen it spread across the world now, and now all sorts of countries are discussing the issues in their country. Mm -hmm. In America, I see all of the talk of, like, you know, we, we are discussing reparations. We're discussing slavery, which we should. And, you know, it's all about white supremacy, and it's about institutional racism and all of these hot words right and like i'm at a point where i just don't buy any of it like the the thought of white supremacy the thought of institutional racism i don't buy it i don't believe any of it because if you go before 1600 pre-enlightenment that doesn't exist and by every metric slavery existed for well yes but not not no they weren't focused on race Hmm. it it wasn't like you're going to be enslaved because you're x racial you know fill in the blank it was like we conquered you they were like equal opportunist slavists or slavers right and my point is not to justify what is obviously like morally corrupt cultures in the past but you look at ancient romans like with gladiatorial games and they would enslave people and they would, I mean, it was gruesome, right? But something shifted pre-enlightenment that led to race being such a focus. And I'm trying to make sense of it. Did it shift? Could you argue that the roots of eugenics? Well, that's enlightenment, 100%. Are in tandem with the enlightenment? Right. Yeah. So I don't... That's gross. And so I'm just trying to get this, like the focus is race and it's causing so much torment and trouble in the world, but it's such a new idea that we focused on. So I'm trying to find is it ancient wisdom to kind of tackle this and, and make sense of it. Is your problem that it's the just a new phenomenon or are you saying that because it's this new, maybe it's being mislabeled to begin with? I think maybe it's being mislabeled to begin with. Do you think that the roots of racism can be traced to like the age of exploration, which predates 
the Enlightenment, but not by a lot. Do you think as soon as man, capital M, started expanding out beyond its limited tribal boundaries and exploring other parts of the world where people were very different, but that's where this sense of superiority or inferiority uh, came from? But it wasn't based on race. I don't think it was, historically. Oh. You see great empires... The Spanish, when they landed in the Americas, certainly thought that they were a superior race to what they found. And I think you could argue it was a superior culture in many ways, yeah. but... Well, depending on how you measure that, but technologically, it just doesn't seem like there was this stupid, like white, brown, black. Well, that's also an American narrative. That's an Enlightenment narrative. 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 Yeah. I okay. I def. I disagree. It's not an Enlightenment narrative. It's an Enlightenment. And it's not that they reality. It came from the Enlightenment because. Sure. If you're the ones who transcend this this pre-enlightenment way of thinking and now you have the sciences and you have the arts, it's kind of what Rousseau right. is saying. It's like you in becoming more civilized now get to start like peering down your nose at people who don't who can't meet you in the same rationality or in the same like mind frame. So Right. And yeah. so then you find a way to label them and and then what is the difference between these people? Because pre-enlightened people, like pre-enlightenment white people thought like pre-enlightenment like black people or pre-enlightenment Asian people. Like something shifted, or at least I think something shifted. And I'm just trying to make sense of like, what was that shift? Well, and so now I want to talk about what you admit, like truly pre-enlightenment by every like measurable metric, we have it pretty good. Like, Medicine, health, food, like wealth, like all of these things. It's great. But then at the same time, we see like racial tension. We see people are depressed. We've got mental illness. We have, you know, families that are torn apart. Like all of these things that I think stemmed from the Enlightenment that weren't present before it. I don't know what but it is. But why does that delegitimize that they're present now? It doesn't delegitimize it, but I'm just saying like. I think a lot of those ills that you're listing are a symptom of prosperity. Could be. And I think perhaps. And again, have not. I haven't dived into this Mm -hmm. to really have a fully um, fleshed out thought on it. However, based on just our immediate conversation, the limited knowledge I have. I wonder if that divergence that you guys are identifying that happened around the time of the Enlightenment, is that because at that point in time, prior to that, China was like the leading dynasty in terms of innovation and prosperity and wealth and technology. And as we mentioned in our last episode, they turned inward and sort of lost their leading edge. Same with the Middle East and the Muslim world. Those empires were on the breaking edge of technology and innovation and eventually became so dogmatic and fundamentalist Mm -hmm. that they lost their leading edge. And then the new world was kind of living literally in its own world, right? It was very separate from all of these technologies that didn't have trade routes and yada, yada. So at a certain point in time, Europe essentially did in terms of economic prosperity, wealth, innovation, technology, 
surpass the rest of the world for a period of time. And that's not me championing Western culture. That's just a reality. It did. Is that where sort of this idea that one culture and then you attribute that culture to a race is that where that idea came from? Where all of a sudden, like, I, well, we're doing better. I think you're so spot on. And we on. all happen to be white. Yeah. And so. Right. And now we're integrating and we're and we're trading and we're and we're exploring new continents and we're seeing people who haven't invented a wheel yet. You know, right. so like right. there's. OK. And this is. Yeah. And, and this is where I want to wrap up with before we continue a conversation at another time. But like that idea, though, that. And part of it has to do with because now people are like, I believe in science and things like that, which I mean, science is great. I love science. I believe in screwdrivers tr- in the same way I can believe it, it, in right, a tool. Right. I believe a screwdriver so, works. So let me let me try and wrap this up in a positive light and and try to kind of lead us to to what I'm trying to get at, I suppose. Um, there's a quote that I've. Well, it's been a quote I'm very fond of for a long time, and I never really knew why, and now I'm kind of exploring that. Like, for well over a year now, I've just loved this quote. And this is kind of what has really led me into this exploration, I suppose, uh, by some guy named Donald Kingsbury. He was like a fiction writer. Oh, Donald Kingsbury. Turn of the century, like 1900-something. But (laughs) the quote is, (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> Sounds very proper, doesn't it? I'm sorry. Tradition is a set. <laughs> wow. I heard that. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, tradition yeah. is a set of solutions for which we have forgotten the problems. Throw away the solution, and you get the problem back. Sometimes the problem has mutated or disappeared, but often it is still there. As strong it as it ever was. And that has resonated with me deeply. And now I'm, yeah, and now I'm trying to. History repeats itself. Yes. Because we don't learn the lesson. But I guess part of this is just like, as, as to try and be positive and encouraging towards the end, like we see even now, like in the West, even amongst like woke people, it's like, we're going to go do this thing and we're going to introduce science to some primitive culture and make their life better. And we disregard. That's like not what woke is thinking of doing. But yeah, but like, that's imperialism. What you just described. Right. But it's under like the guise of like whatever it is. Doctors without borders, like all these things. Oh, like, okay, sure. You you are there's I just feel like there's such a degradation of tradition I don't even know where I'm going with this, guys. I'm like really working through this right now. Well, there's a loss when you reject that tradition. I think I think ultimately maybe part of what you're attracted to in sort of the pre-enlightenment thinking is there. Well, Henning said it in the last episode. You don't want to. Rousseau talked about not wanting to sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. I think that was the metaphor you used, Henning. Mm-hmm. And there is some sort of. There is value to knowing your heritage and to appreciating your culture and to identifying with a particular culture. But like everything in life, having a measured approach is probably the healthiest. And going one too far in one direction leads us to kind of a leads to 
populism, right? And then going too far in another direction leads to basically the same thing, but under a different name. <laughs> mm. Okay. Definitely to be continued. Uh, I, yes. My notebook, I have so many notes <sighs> right now. Yes. Good. I, in, I, I've got so many notes for myself right now, but do we real quick want to yeah, do this? Yeah, you got a test, test for us. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. All right. The lightometer test. I want you to answer just kind of like first thing that comes to mind. Three being like, yes, absolutely. I jive with this question, like mm. to my core. Two, like, okay, I can kind of get on board, but like skeptical. One is like disagree, but whatever. And zero is like, no way. Absolutely false. Okay. So one, three, one and two are strongly. in the middle. Leaning either way, no. and then zero yeah, and three yeah, exactly. extremes. Okay. More towards agree. Yeah, yeah. So three strongly agree, two agree, one disagree, zero strongly gotcha. disagree. Okay. I'm gonna ask the question, and I'm gonna note down your. your Wait, are we both going with? Yeah. With each Why don't we? Each one will have cat go first, and then Henning, you answer. All right. And it's just three, Into it. two, one, or zero, right? Each yeah, question. Yeah. Question one. I can't handle it. <laughs> I'm on one. I'm sorry. <laughs> question one. When I die, I won't really die all the way. It's more like I'm asleep, waiting for the next world of some sort. Two. One. Question two. The best way for me to know myself is to ask someone else about me. Two. One. Question three. When I carry a picture of someone I love in my purse or wallet, I am actually carrying that person around with me. Like, they are there, actually close to zero. Zero. Question four. Respect isn't earned. Respect is owed by me to others. By me to others. Actually, no. Three. Full three. Three. One. Okay. (laughs) Question five. I hope and expect to take my parents in and have them live with me when they get old and infirm, or I expect to live near my kids, even preferably in their house when I get old and infirm. One. Three, but only my dad. Oh. Okay. Are we allowed to do that? <laughs> Four what the fuck? Three. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. No, I'm kidding. I love you, mom. Three. <laughs> Wait, I thought you got my answer. <laughs> Sorry, this not. is an editing nightmare. <laughs> um, this was the living with you, yeah. ex- living with your parents, taking care of your parents, or or living with your children. This is uh one. Okay, I'm gonna tally up your score now. Cat, you have you scored three, four, five, six, and Henning, you scored three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nice, I win. We're gonna start with Cat. <clears throat> yeah. If you scored between a four and a six, you are the shining city dweller on the hill. Yeah. Oh. You have <laughs> hope for the modern world because you trust science and Reddit. If, <laughs> if people would do what science told them to do, then society would be a lot better off. You think Columbus was a jerk, but also you weirdly appreciate the new world philosophies he helped download into your very Colombian brain. 
half right. Okay. <laughs> Henning, you're the next tier up. You scored between a 7 and 11, so you are a suburbanite. <laughs> you feel romantic about the old world. You like the security of hierarchy. But hierarchy is mostly a word you'd rather read about in a book. It feels like you want to obey your elders more than you actually do. That is... That's... Yep. <laughs> okay. When I took it, I scored a 13, whoa, which is the villager. Whoa. And that is... <laughs> <Just a> villager. <laughs> there, there is a good chance that you hate malls. Places hate like malls. Algeria and Ethiopia roll out their red carpet for you. Your Spotify collection <laughs> includes chants from some hard-to-pronounce provinces, and you wish there was more hierarchy in the world. What? what? <laughs> One... As I've been learning about Ethiopia, I want to go to Ethiopia. There's a lot so of badly. really great jazz from the 1970s out of Ethiopia. And F- beautiful y- architecture Not just chance. and culture. Mm-hmm. And also good food. Before I ever was like diving into this, legitimately jam this. It's like a trio. It's these Georgian women. That sing like traditional Georgian folk music. Okay. <laughs> oh I was like, God, holy course. moly, this is like right on. So, <laughs> what, is this, what was oh this BuzzFeed God. quiz we just took? <laughs> <laughs> BuzzFeed quiz. It's called the Lightometer. Somehow I wound up being woke, even though I just railed against Yeah, Yeah, from, from John here. It's from first-things.org. Yeah, I bet this is rig- rigorously methodically tested for... <laughs> it's just a fun test to see how new world old worlds you are so you're the most new world Henning's right in the middle said, that's wild. said romantic world. right in there Henning and, fucking... I should, Henning and I should switch places whatever I what? I, my, I bet my man Rousseau would have scored in the same range as me that's probably true yeah definitely <laughs> and same with Locke so I guess I'm right where you there should you go. be yeah. define new world right on <sighs> Tony, right. I have so many thoughts for next step. I'm so excited for this. Thank you for Excellent. this. Thank you for listening. Kind of ranted there for a bit, but no, I want to be honest about my thought process and mm-hmm. I need help thinking about it, getting some different perspectives. Yeah, truly uh, DM at us, whatever. Share your thoughts. Our links to Twitter are always in the show notes. Amen. Cheers. This was a good conversation. Thank you. Cheers. We'll see y'all next week. Thank you for joining us on the Whiskey Bench. If you would do us a favor, please tell a friend about the show in person, with a text, or by sharing about it on social media. You can join us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest, all at Whiskey Bench Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Remember, always drink responsibly and cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty. Welcome in, friends. This is Ravel. To Ravel is the same as to unravel, but we don't feel like we're falling apart. Every Wednesday, we pull on one thread at a time as we discuss our own questions about American Christianity. Sometimes we wonder if your dentist might be a cult leader and whether or not I can be a pastor. We tell stories about a pastor sawing a mannequin into pieces. Or sometimes we're just arguing about whether or not the Bible is satire. 
So follow Ravel if you're interested in questions like this too. Highline Media Network. Normal people in normal places.